Thanks for joining us for the Connect Podcast. I'm Cole Phillips, the lead pastor of the Connection Church, and every week we're going to look into the Bible to find out how God's Word connects to our everyday lives. It's going to be life-changing. The Connect Podcast is produced every week for your growth and inspiration. You can find all the show notes at makingtheconnection.org. You can also find the podcast on your favorite podcasting service, Follow me on Twitter at Cole Phillips and on Facebook and Instagram. You'll find all the links in the show notes. Now, let's get into the study. So excited about what's going to be happening today on Midweek as well as the Connect podcast. So uh, so be sure to be sharing. Uh, we have been going through the book of 1 Corinthians and the great thing about this, we've been able to go passage by passage and really verse by verse through the book of 1 Corinthians. And now here we are getting close to the end of this book. You know, the, the danger here, because this book has been so good and so full and rich, that we get to the end and we just th- sort of think, well, he's just wrapping it up. He's just cl- making some closing remarks and we can miss some of the important uh, good stuff here in at the closing, because this book really ends strong. And so today I want to encourage you to get out your Bible, get something to write with, and let's uh, begin to, to get into this study today. And this is going to be a great one. I was hearing now how the pandemic of uh, COVID has impacted, you know, it's impacted lives so dramatically and so destructively, um, not just from the sickness or the virus, but from our response and the way it has damaged um, small businesses, our, our kids, all of this stuff. And and um, we know in the restaurant business, uh, this has really had an impact of with hospitality. And so uh, there's this story that I was thinking about, I wanted to remind you of if you hadn't heard this, you know, the pandemic has really hit the hospitality industry hard. And so there was a customer at a Colorado restaurant who decided to help out the employees there with his generosity. So this was in a Facebook post. Here's what happened. The Notch Top Bakery and Cafe in Colorado shared a picture of their employees with a 1400 dollar tip along with the message from the tipper that said covid sucks $200 for each employee today and uh and they said thank you covid bandit for your generous gift to our staff your gift has touched many lives that was the caption well the cafe owner whose name was uh Nelia Comet Believa said that the man who only identified himself as David came into this uh, restaurant in Estes Park, and when the bill was given to him, he asked how many people are working today, and he left a tip of $1,400 and asked that each of the seven employees that day would be paid $200, And, and so the restaurant owner said that brought tears 
true tears to all the servers and cooks. You know, nobody ever thinks of the cooks. The cooks were so surprised and shocked. We were all shocked. We did thank him, but I felt like we didn't do enough. So this restaurant owner had been running the restaurant for almost 10 years, and she never closed the restaurant through the pandemic. But there, you know, there were there were wild, wildfires on top of that, I guess, in Colorado. Um, so since this post was shared online, several uh, people are saying, man, this person who gave this generous tip is so amazing. It's incredible the impact of the generosity that one person can make with their generosity. It made national news. It went viral on social media and impacted those seven lives, those seven families significantly impacted so many more. But a good question that we can ask is, why don't we hear more news about Christians being overwhelmingly, radically generous? You know, as believers, we should be radically generous. At the Connection Church, we say we unleash generosity. Now, today's passage is dealing with this topic of generosity. And so I want to warn you, people get funny when we talk about money, right? They get strange when we talk about change, especially in the church. But I have been taking this verse by verse, passage by passage. So today, we're going to get into this topic of generosity and living generous lives. You think about the importance of money in our lives, right? And money is is a big part of our lives. It's sort of an extension of who we are for this small piece of currency, or many times right now, it's just numbers on a credit card. It carries a lot of weight. We spend a lot of our time trying to get money, earn money, spend money, invest money, protect it, save it, (coughs) um, to um, hold on to it, you know, all of these things, and sometimes even give it, donate it, right? Money, 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 money. We say, show me the money. And, and money does talk, right? Money talks. It says, goodbye, goodbye, see you later. So we're going to get into 1 Corinthians 16. Like I said, uh, this is the last chapter in 1 Corinthians, and uh, it is an important chapter. Here, Paul doesn't just kind of phone it in at the end. He's got some good stuff he wants us to talk about. And really, this chapter points to some open doors that God wants to open up instead of just wrapping it up things are going to open up for for what kind of attitudes what kind of actions do we need to have in our lives that will produce joy that will produce spiritual maturity and spiritual growth in our lives and these are some ongoing habits that we need to have and right now he's going to be talking uh, about uh, one particular habit that we need to develop to be spiritually healthy in our life, and that is a generous heart, a generous attitude, right? That's so important. So let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 16, beginning in verse 1, that says this. He says, Now, about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do, 
On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I will give letters of introduction to the men you approve and send them with your gift to Jerusalem. So so this is dealing with this idea of uh, an offering, of giving, of generosity, so important, and it's really vital to who we are as followers of Jesus. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches. So this isn't just for one particular church at this time, but this is for all churches. This isn't just for the rich churches, the wealthy churches. Uh, This isn't just for certain Christians, certain believers. This is for all the churches. And the churches, uh, a local church is made up of all the the believers that gather together there that call that church their home. And this passage really reminds us how much God loves and cares for the poor and the, the hurting, the broke, the destitute. And because God cares and God wants to do something about it, you know, we should care. We have to care. And we are his hands and feet and we need to do something about it. And the New Testament church shared this heart and this concern. So when a famine hit in Judea, the church rallied together to care for those who were affected, who were hungry, and they collected an offering. They received an offering. What was happening, Judea and other parts of the Mediterranean world at this time were experiencing some famines because of flooding and drought, you know, harsh weather that was happening. Famines um, sometimes even happen in areas that produce good crops. And there were several famines in this area um, there biblically between uh, 46 and 54, which you think about, you know, when I think about the timeline, you think, you know, Jesus lived 33 years, right? So this was this was within 20 years of of the the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus in the early church, and it, it one of these famines that happened, Paul was referring to when he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, and even though in the church in Corinth, you know, they weren't like prosperous, they weren't they weren't they still were affected by this famine they still had enough they had enough to survive and paul didn't expect them to give beyond their ability but he wanted them to share what they had to provide help for the other believers in other churches who were in poverty in other areas and it's really clear what he's saying we need to have a heart, a generous heart, radical generosity to, to meet the needs of people, the poor, the hungry, the sick, the homeless, the lost, and the, the thousands and hundreds of thousands of others who have little in this world, who have little uh, to hold on to, including their health, including their hope. I see there's some prayer requests right now even for those who are, who are sick, who are hurting. You know, it's our responsibility to do something about that. And we need to be giving, uh, giving sacrificially and uh, do whatever we can do. And, and so the, the Bible, what God's word says in the New Testament, instructing the churches, that's for us. That's for us today, for our church today. And so we see really God's heart toward giving. And the Bible says this, that 
our attitudes are much more important than the amounts. And that's why we have the concept of tithing. Now, I'm not really going to be addressing tithing too much in this uh, message or this, this study today, but, you know, uh, proportionate giving is a fair thing because God could have said an amount like, okay, everybody give $50 a week. And for some people, you know, that would be like pocket change. For other people, they think, I don't even make $50 a week, right? So it wouldn't be fair if it was an amount. Instead, he said, it's going to be a proportion. So let's talk about the attitudes first of giving. And there's several areas I want us to look at. But the first attitude is our we should be giving willingly. We give willingly. That's the first attitude, you know, to have open, to live open-handedly because God is far more interested in my attitude than the actual amount. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12, it says, for if the willingness is there, your gift is acceptable according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. Some of us, we want to give more, but we give out of the abundance of what God has given to us. Right When God looks at our giving, he's not impressed with how much he looks at um, the, the heart. Right, God is looking at the heart. And so in 1 Corinthians 9, 7 that we looked at a few weeks ago, he says, each one of you should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under pressure. Okay, so this is not about guilt. Like don't give under pressure. And um, if you feel pressure to give, Right now, you can just say, you know, my pastor said I wasn't supposed to give because I shouldn't be pressured to give. That's not the kind of giving God wants. Um, you, you don't give to make up a deficit in your budget. You give because God says to give, whether the church needs it or not, right? The issue is I need to give out of a willing heart. Then the second attitude is this, I give joyfully. The Bible says God loves a cheerful giver. And what I say many times is God loves a cheerful giver, but he also receives from a, a grouch, right? But the attitude is important. The Greek word for cheerful is the Greek word hilarion, which is where we get the word hilarious, okay? And in the New Testament church, when they gave, it was hilarious. It was a hilarious thing. In the modern church today, or maybe the church you, you went to as a kid, usually when you receive an offering, that's the low point of the service. And um, so, so we went to churches where you maybe you heard the organ playing and everybody is sort of sitting there, not wanting to look around and uh, nervous and talking, you know, maybe they're just talking about something else or whatever. So, but, but it should be joyful. That is sort of the attitude that, that we see when we say God loves a cheerful giver. Now, the question is, you know, if we're giving and we don't have a good attitude, should we just not give or should we work on our attitude? You know, you think, well, how can I be uh, joyful when I have so many bills to pay. When I don't fear, feel too joyful about giving, I go back and look at, you know, what happens when I give? What's the benefits of giving? Well, it makes me more like God. It draws me closer to God. It, it, it cures 
uh, greed in my heart. It strengthens my faith. It's an investment for eternity, making a difference in people's lives. It blesses me in return. And you think about the benefits, then you can get joyful again. Then I'm, I'm also to give generously in 2 Corinthians 8.3. It says they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service beyond what they were able. They were so excited and they, they were excited to give. Paul says they were begging to give. They gave beyond their ability. And this is the first the first thing is the attitude. People ask, well, what if I can't afford to give? Listen, you can't afford not to, all right? Because there's, it's so good. You have a great attitude. Give generously. Give expectantly, the Bible says. You know, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So God says it's like a farmer who sows a seed, and if a farmer had a tough crop last year and he only has a few seeds, does he say, I can't really afford to plant this seed? No, he has to. He doesn't have a choice. He, he could either eat it himself, eat everything he had, and that's going to be his last meal, or he can plant it. And if he wants to harvest a little, then he plants a little. If he wants to harvest a lot, he plants a lot. And so this is this offering here is a specific special offering that that this church is receiving in Corinth for the church in Jerusalem. Okay? And they said, we're one church, and so we're going to help each other. There was diversity. The Gentile Christians were giving to the uh the the Jewish Christians, the Hebrew Christians. And really Paul is talking about when you give, you know, of your money, you're really giving of your life. And when we give together as a church and all of us are doing it, it really demonstrates unity as a church. We have a focused mission together. And so Paul says, when do we give? Well, we give on the first day of every week. When do we come together? We come together as a church, gather together on Sunday, because Sunday is the Lord's Day. Sunday is the, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, and we're worshiping the Jesus and, and, and what he has done, and, and we are giving out of a, a heart of worship. Giving is not just doing business with God. It's not just paying bills. It's an act of praise and thankfulness to God for the way he's given us everything. He's the source, you know? And so we get get to give back to him. Also, when they gave, they were putting their faith into action. You, they weren't just giving money, but they were actually sending some people from the church, people who they trusted with strong character to deliver the, the money and to provide help. And then this passage here in 1 Corinthians 16 says, how often should we give? Well, regularly on the first day of the week. And so the principle here is how often people ask, how often should I give? And the the response is, well, how often do you get paid? Some people get paid weekly. So we take the first part of that and we give it back to God. We bring it back to God. We're not really giving. We're, we're bringing what is already God's. Um, if you get paid every other week, then 
You know, you, we want to give to God before. You know, <laughs> it's funny, the government, they always take theirs first, right? But, um, you know, we want to give to God as, as quickly as we can. Maybe you, you're paid monthly, then you give monthly. You don't have to give every week, but you want to give monthly as often as you're paid. He also says, who? He says, each one of you, each one of you. Why is that? Because together we can do so much more. Each one of us, we can do just a little, but together there's power, there's strength. Every Christian, every person that calls this local church their home, of course here, the Connection Church, but but everybody can worship through what they have. And then we all get to celebrate. We all get to feel included in the outcome of it and what happens, the results. And every time somebody's baptized, you know, every time somebody raises their hand to say, I want to give my heart and my life to Jesus, you know, every time a marriage is restored, any of these things that happen, we know we're all a part of that. And so he says, how much right here in this passage, how much do we give? He says, in keeping with your income. So it's proportionate, right? It's proportionate, a, a percentage. Of course, a tithe in the Old Testament is 10%. And I'm not going to be talking about tithing right now, but but tithes, the word tithe simply means 10%. But some people say, well, we're New Testament believers. We're not under the Old Testament law. Okay, so we've been given so much more. We've been given grace, the grace of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Should we give less or should we do more? So I say the, the 10% is just training wheels, right? But you know, if you're not there yet at 10%, you say, well, you know, I'm gonna start with this percentage. It's a proportion. You know, it's a it's a it's a portion. And so really giving is a habit, but it's backed by an attitude. They go together, our heart and our habit. And I wanna be a person who wants to give. And where does he say you give? Well, he says store it up in this, this picture of the storehouse, the local church, because the local church, I, I believe, is God's plan for the world. Like we are God's hands and God's feet and, and God's people here. And the local church is where you're blessed. It's where you're encouraged. It's where you grow. It's where you're, you you fulfill your mission. It's... it's uh, can I say it again for the people in the back? That's right. Um, it's where you, um, you know, all of this happens and you're connected to community here. Okay, so that's all so important. And here, you know, as we look at the different words Paul uses in, in the New Testament, he talks about the attitude of a giver and he talks about the gift itself, I think really reveals the attitude. Here he calls it, this collection. And this collection is sometimes what we refer to as over and above. You've got your tithes and offerings. So this is an offering. It's an extra gift. It's not an obligation. Uh, giving out of obligation will always make you frustrated. But having this attitude of what else can I do beyond the, the, my, just my obligation, it's an opportunity because of God, because of his love and his, you know, his generosity to us. But uh, the second word that's used for uh, these offerings, he, he talks about the word, it's actually the word charis, the Greek word. Um, we named our daughter, uh, her middle name is Charis, Mackenzie Charis, which charis is the Greek word for 
Uh, grace, but it's also the same word for gift. Grace and gift are the same word. And I can show God's grace to someone else by being generous, by giving. He also uses the word koinonia. You may know this word, uh, or maybe not, but (laughs) that word means fellowship. It means sharing together. Fellowship is not just uh, donuts and coffee. When you give financially, you're sharing of yourself. You're sharing your life. Another word that Paul uses is uh, diakona which is the where we get the word deacon, but it simply means ministry. You're ministering to someone when you give them, you're meeting some financial need, some physical need in their life. When you're taking food, we've had a lot of people who've had illness. We take food to people uh, to help them. The, the, another word he uses the word um, hydrotes, which is the word, uh, it means abundance, overflowing, giving above and beyond, and also uh, elogia, which... That word is the word, I know there's a lot of words here, bounty. You know, here's the, here's the attitude. When I think I'm, I don't have what I deserve, then I'm always going to be selfish. But when I realize how much God has given me, I will be generous. And so don't live with the scarcity mindset. You know, uh, this is all I have. Think, look at how much God has given me. Because without God, without his generosity, without his grace, I wouldn't have anything in my life. And then another word that we see is this word uh, uh, liturgia, you know, liturgy or whatever, but it's a, a voluntary privilege. One more word, prosphara, which is the word sacrifice. And whenever you give, it's a sacrifice. You're giving of yourself. It's a sacrifice of love. So the question is, what kind of heart do I have to give to God, to give to others today? How am I going to be generous today? Um, let's see, I think I have time to share one last story that, that, I, um, that, that I have here out of the world of football since we just had the Super Bowl. Um, I do want to mention this though. As a church, we're making a difference. We're, we're, we're every month, we're making a difference in places around the world, in Guatemala, in uh, India, in um, in the Philippines, in Nepal, lots of different places that when we give through the Connection Church, it doesn't just stay here, even though there's great needs here, we want to meet needs here, but we want to, our goal is to be on every continent in the world. And, um, and so we see that we're making a difference, both sharing the gospel and meeting physical needs uh, around the world. Now, but it takes a plan. It takes a plan. So let me close with this story. All right. Uh, Kirk Cousins, who is the starting quarterback this year for the Minnesota Vikings, he makes more in a year than many people make in a lifetime. But, you know, you can only, unless, <laughs> unless you're Tom Brady, you can only, you know, play in the NFL for so long. Um, in fact, an old joke says the NFL stands for not for long. So, Cousins, Kirk Cousins, he is committed to giving and saving in a way that will enable his family to live generously for the rest of his life. Back in 2005, when he was in high school, he heard about a ministry called International Justice and their work fighting human trafficking and slavery. And he was so moved um, that instead of traveling with International Justice or joining the staff, he said, I'm going to go out, I'm going to make some money and support them financially. 
He said, I walked out of that service that night and prayed, God, give me more to steward and give me an opportunity to help someday. And that didn't happen right away. But after college, he was drafted to, uh, to Washington. And in 2012, uh, he was a backup quarterback. He signed a $2.5 million four-year rookie contract. In his fourth year, they promoted him to starting quarterback. He signed a $20 million deal. And when his contract expired, they signed him for another year for $24 million. Going into his seventh year in the NFL, uh, they were not able to, he was not able to agree on a long-term deal and he signed a three-year fully guaranteed, check this out, $84 million contract with the Minnesota Vikings in 2018. He said, there are many, there aren't many starting quarterbacks who are 50 or 60 years old, though some are getting close. Now, I just added that. At some point, unfortunately, what I'm doing ends earlier than I'd like and the income stream gets cut off. So with that in mind, he's learning to save <laughs> It doesn't sound like it'd be that hard to save with all that money. But, you know, some people have trouble doing it, right? But he says, after I'm playing pro ball, I can increase my giving year after year. And I just think that kind of heart, you know, (laughs) of giving, of generosity. How can I plan to give? How can I make a difference with whatever I have? Maybe that's not a good example because he's got millions. But whatever we have, out of the abundance of what we have, we want to think, how can I make a difference? Let me tell you, there's no greater difference than, I believe, than through the local church. That's how they did it in the New Testament. That's what's happening in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we need to ask ourselves, how, what is my heart of giving? Am I going to live generously and open-handedly today, or am I going to hold on to what I have and so I want us to, maybe wherever you are, you're at right now, just open your hands in front of you. Uh, open your hands up to God and let's pray together. All right. Heavenly Father, God, give us a generous heart. God, remind us of how much you've blessed us. No matter where we are, no matter what our situation looks like right now, God, we know you've led us this far. We know you can, we can trust you to be faithful, to provide for us, to provide for our needs. God, we pray. I pray for blessing for every generous heart, God, for every one of us to live open-handedly and to live generously and, and to re- remind us of, of your great blessings instead of focusing on what we don't have today. Help us to be a blessing to those around us, God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace that is free, God, but it was so costly that cost Jesus his life. Thank you that he was willing to sacrifice ultimately for us and help us to live sacrificially for you. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I look forward to seeing you real soon. In the meantime, I go and be blessed. Thank you so much. We'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for this week's Connect podcast. If you liked what you heard, then be sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, rate. We want to spread this good word to everybody we can who needs to hear this message. I hope you have a great week and I look forward to you joining us next week for the Connect podcast.